I'm super glad to be with you guys this morning. I'm Alice Shirey. I'm on staff here at Orchard. And from wherever it is, in your home or on your porch or wherever you are, I just want to say welcome. We're super glad you're worshiping with us this morning. This morning's teaching and this whole service actually is kind of a bridge uh, between the last two Sundays, which um, have been Jeff and Brian kind of talking about the vision uh, of Orchard Hill Church for this coming ministry season, and and a bridge between then next Sunday, which is the kickoff of our not next yes Sunday the uh, September of Labor Day, uh, the kickoff of our September series, which is all about um, what it looks like to follow Jesus during times of turbulence, and. I was thinking about turbulence. I hate turbulence. I'm not the only one I know when, when you're flying, but I thought, you know what? If God were a pilot, uh, he would have announced quite a few months ago, uh, you're gonna need to return to your seat and put your seatbelts on, friend. We're, friends, we're in for a little bit of bumpy air. And as I was thinking about that, I wanted to ask all of you, and you can raise your hands at home um, amongst yourselves, how many of you have been afraid of something, anything, little or big, anything, in the last six months? Raise your hands. I have to imagine hundreds, if not thousands, of hands going up across the Cedar Valley and beyond. I need to admit to you all this morning that over the last few weeks, I have been caught in a snowball of fear, anxiety, and worry. And it started so small, you know? Just kind of an everyday worry that I picked up and started to think about. And then somehow, without my realizing what was happening, that snowball just started rolling downhill faster and faster and faster and picking up more and more snow as it went, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I started to feel really uncertain about the future. And through some of the learning that I did to try to understand myself, I learned that when humans are faced with fear and uncertainty about the future, many of us, not all of us, but many of us, start to imagine all kinds of possible negative outcomes that could happen about what we're concerned about. And then we spend all of our time and energy worrying about how terrible it might be if any or all of those potential negative outcomes occurred. This is why Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, said this very incredible couple sentences. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, we'll worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And I say to Jesus, amen, Jesus, amen. Truer words could not have been spoken. But we do worry, don't we? We all feel fear 
Even the biggest and the toughest people here, I'm thinking right now of Doug Tinson, I bet, feels fear. And we don't need to be ashamed of fear. It actually is a God-given gift, and under the right circumstances, it can save our life, right? Like when we step into a crosswalk and we hear screeching tires. Fear is what energizes our otherwise sluggish bodies to leap out of the way of that car with the lightning speed of Usain Bolt. It can save a life. And our brains have actually been trained over centuries to always be scanning the horizon for danger. This is super important. And there's this fear center of our brains. It used to save our lives when we lived in caves and lived in fear of the saber-toothed tiger and the woolly mammoth. But now, because the saber-toothed tiger and the mammoth are extinct and we live in much safer, more comfortable situations than our ancestors, this fear center of our brains gets bored and it gets off kilter when it doesn't spot a literal danger on the horizon. And so it just makes one up just to give it something to do. It's a little bit like a bored toddler, a little bit like a bored dog. And when this happens, like it happened to me, this God-given mechanism tends to roll itself into a snowball of worry as it ponders imaginary potential threats. And then the snowball grows and picks up speed and there we find ourselves fearful and worried. Just like I've been these last few weeks. Now, we all know, and many of us are experiencing this now, that there are times in life when what we actually fear actually happens. It does. But very often, a lot of what we fear never comes to pass. Those imaginary things the fear center of our brain makes up and then fixates on never happen. And despite this objective truth, our worry about tomorrow often steals today right out from under our feet and moves us into the land of what ifs. Do you know this land? What if my kids never go back to school? What if we run out of toilet paper for real this time? What if church never goes back to the way it was? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if the Cubs never, ever, ever again win the World Series? Don't you hate the land of what ifs? I hate it. But let me share a truth with you that the fear center of our brains doesn't want to acknowledge. We have never known what tomorrow brings. We've never known. Control and a sense of certainty are merely illusions we all engage in in order to function. But even James writes about this in uh, the fourth chapter of his letter when he's talking about people who say, well, tomorrow I'm going to go here, tomorrow I'm going to go there. And he says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. The only moment we have certainty about is this moment right here. This is it. 
And one more bit of tough news for the fear center, of, fear center of our brains, we've never been promised a life free from suffering. Again, Jesus in the Gospel of John says, in this world, you will, not you might, not maybe, but you will have trouble. So we are promised this moment and we are promised trouble, which is why we sometimes feel fear. Exactly how we find the disciples, the followers of Jesus, right after Jesus was crucified in broad daylight. And Jesus' followers at that point, after their rabbi has been killed, crucified, they're in real danger, life-threatening danger. And we pick up their story just real briefly in John chapter 20, starting with verse 19. This is what, this is what the gospel writer John says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Catch that word, fear. Jesus was dead, the authorities were out for their blood, and the disciples were huddling behind locked doors, quaking in fear. But look at what happens next. Next slide. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Next slide. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, these disciples didn't know that they were then going to go on and start the church that would thrive and grow and spread and change the world. They didn't know anything about the future, and everything about their lives was uncertain, and people were literally trying to kill them, but somehow, we know from the rest of the New Testament, they went on to find courage. And what I wanted us to notice from this story for us today, for any of us who feel fear, is that Jesus breathed on his fearful followers. The spirit was in the breath. And I believe that all of us, young and old, no matter what kind of fear we're facing or will face soon, we can find courage in the midst of uncertainty about tomorrow by grounding ourselves in this present moment, which is all we've been given, and by grounding ourselves in our breath. Now stay with me here just a minute because we don't think about this very much. Jesus breathed on his followers and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And they went on to change the world. That same spirit the Apostle Paul tells us in the rest of the New Testament is in you, it's in me, it's in all who believe. That same spirit that raised Jesus up from the tomb, that same spirit that empowered those chicken little disciples, that same spirit is as close to you and as close to me as our next breath. 
I'm gonna skip this next slide, Johnny. I want you to think about how your breathing is when you feel fear. Mine is short and shallow and distracted and kind of panting and doesn't really provide my body with oxygen. But the breath of the spirit is deep and slow and focused and powerful. And if we are to live in these fearful days with courage, in spite of fear, I believe we must stay in this moment, the only moment we've been promised, by settling into our breath, by paying attention to every in-breath and every out-breath, even with our masks on. And picturing, this is what I've done over these last few weeks, weeks, picturing as I breathe that Jesus himself is breathing his spirit, his courage, his power, his eternal safety into my life. And when we feel fear, we need to slow our breathing way down. In fact, our bellies should expand when we breathe in. Friends, we're killing ourselves by trying to hold our stomachs in all day. Take off your spank, stop doing it, and breathe. Breathe in, let your belly go out, and then gently contract your belly when you breathe out. And picture the Holy Spirit himself inhabiting your entire body, mind, and spirit. And kiddos... Teenagers, you can do this when you're scared to. Slow your breathing down. And as you breathe this way, picture Jesus himself filling you with the Spirit's courage. Your breath, my breath, can be a reminder that God is with us that God is mighty to save, that God's spirit is already at work addressing whatever issues we are scared about. And every moment of every day, no matter what our fear is, you and I can inhale the powerful spirit of God who is already in us and with us. This is one of the places that I've found my courage over these last few fearful weeks. And I hope that you can too. The spirit of the living God lives and breathes in you and in me. Let's pray and continue to worship that God. Amen. God, we often make faith just a head game when it's actually a mind, body, and spirit encounter with you. And this picture of your fearful disciples locked behind a door, not knowing what's coming next, and you entering and breathing on them and giving them the power of the Holy Spirit and them going out and despite the fact that their lives were at risk, changing the world, gave me strength over these last weeks. 
through the simple act of breathing. And God, I pray that, that this story from the scripture and this principle that the spirit is in the breath might encourage so many of my friends today as we face an uncertain and fearful future. For you are our God and our savior and our help forever.